What a fun, fun day, huh? (laughs) Well, are you ready for more? (laughs) Sometimes after lunch, it's the hardest, you guys. Like, (laughs) guys are ready for naps, so let's see. Let's pray again. Dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you again, and we thank you, and we praise you for this day. And Lord, we do thank you that we can have so much joy in you and fun and um and just a good time. And Lord, we do thank you for this beautiful day. And we thank you for the lunch and everyone that prepared it. And Lord, let us just be open again to be able to listen to what you want to teach us. There's so much packed into one day. So again, just prepare our hearts and minds. And Lord, go before everything that you want me to say. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're in the book of Ephesians again. But this time we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6. So Ephesians chapter 6. And while you're turning there, I'll share a little bit of from my life with you. When I wrote the book Clothed in Righteousness that um, Connie was talking about that she saw on the website with the um, bride's dress. And during your workshop, I'll put some books out and you can see it. Um, The reason I wrote Clothed in Righteousness is it came out of another uh, curriculum the Lord had me write. My very first book that I wrote is called Go in Peace. And the original book um, was my story about abortion. And the first chapter is what a shame and all my terrible choices in my life. And then the second chapter was for his glory. When God started to take my brokenness and make it beautiful, just like the song talked about. And he wants to do that in your life, too. He wants to take your brokenness and turn it into beauty. God's word says that he turns beauty from ashes in our life. And it's just amazing. And so he had me write Go in Peace. And it basically is what I taught you in the second session about how to give your hurt to the Lord. Well, we started to have Go in Peace weekends where people were coming um, to our biblical discipleship uh, weekends. And we had women coming up to us saying, abortion isn't an issue in my life, but um, I heard about your workshops. Can we come? And we're saying, of course, because God's word is all sufficient. So please come. So very quickly, my ministry went from a post-abortion ministry to a ministry in helping women and teens deal with any issue that they're struggling with. It doesn't matter what it was, you know, just come. And so after I wrote Go in Peace, the Lord had me write a biblical discipleship curriculum, also called Go in Peace. There's a leader's manual and a student workbook, and that's from any issue, any issue, not just post-abortion. And so we taught women the things that I taught you in a nutshell really quick. That, That curriculum goes even deeper. So if you're interested in that, I'll have some of that out there. But after I would take women through Go in Peace, which is a 14 sessions, I noticed that there were two issues that the women still weren't fully grasping. And those two issues were, first, who they were in Christ. A lot of Christian women know, yes, I'm loved by God, yes, I know I'm forgiven. But they're not moving the truth of who they are in Christ from their head to their heart. It's just head knowledge. It's not heart knowledge. And if it's not heart knowledge, heart knowledge, then it's not life changing, you know. And so I saw that women were really struggling with that. But also, a lot of Christian women don't understand spiritual warfare. 
And because of that, the enemy can have a stronghold in our life. Some women, um, you know, there's the extreme. Oh, you know, the enemy doesn't affect us in any way. What's all this talk, you know? And he would love you to believe that he doesn't affect you in any way. Or all the way to the extreme of the devil made me do it, you know? And no, the devil did not make you do it. He might have, like, influenced you a little bit, but it's still our flesh that plays in there. And so to have that balanced biblical view of spiritual warfare and what God's word says about the enemy and how he works in our life. And so that's what clothed in righteousness is all about. It's all about who you are in Christ. And it's based on Ezekiel 16, where it talks about Israel as the bride of Christ. And then it's also based on Ephesians chapter 6 about spiritual warfare. And so I want to talk about that today because part of that is key. So we're going to be in Ephesians 6:10, And it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. <clears throat> For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, and against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having sawed your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplications for all the saints. These verses are so deep, and they are packed with so much information that I wrote a whole book on it. And I can't give you the whole book today, but it's amazing. In fact, each piece of armor I've written a chapter on, and each piece of armor is amazing. But if you've noticed, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. And many times we think our struggle is against that person that is driving us crazy, don't we? Or that neighbor. Or that coworker, or that person who's in your house. Maybe it's the person in the mirror. <laughs> you, know, you know, sometimes it could be us, right? <laughs> I've never said that part. That must have been for the Lord. But <laughs> it's always somebody else. It's not ourselves, right? But our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It says that our struggle is against principalities and powers and rulers of this dark age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realm. And God's word calls us to take up the whole armor of God because we are in a spiritual battle. And any time the throne is involved, there will be warfare, won't there? And the throne is involved. Remember, you are the daughter of the king of kings. You are engaged to the prince of peace. You are his bride. The throne is involved. And so there's going to be warfare because of who you are, because of who you are in Christ. So think about it. You know, you are the daughter of the king of kings. But a lot of us don't have the truth of who we are in Christ 
in our hearts. We know it here. Yeah, I'm the daughter of the king of kings. I've heard this message before. You know, and some of you might even be thinking that right now because you're tired. But we need to move that truth from our head to our heart. And when we move that truth from our head to our heart, guess what? We've put on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's what we're going to talk about. The theme for this session is adorned in the breastplate of righteousness. And so when I was writing this book, it was just amazing because I was doing study and um, I, I discovered, you know, a lot of times you think of a breastplate, that there's a big plate on this side on the front and a plate on the back. I've even heard people say you always have to be moving forward in battle because the breastplate's only on the front and it's not on the back. And that's not true, you know. <laughs> so if you blow it sometimes and you're running the wrong way, it's okay, you know. You still have your breastplate on maybe. We'll talk about that, how you have your breastplate on. And what was really interesting in the study is when Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, he was in prison and he was chained to a Roman soldier. And so God inspired Paul to write the book of Ephesians while he was in prison. You would think, ah. The battle has been lost, wouldn't you? Imagine what the Christians were thinking with Paul in prison. They must have given up all hope. Yet God was using that terrible situation in Paul's life to write these words that could help us today in our walk. Why? Because God loves you. And he knows that there's a spiritual battle that is taking place. And there's things all around us. It's funny, I tell people all the time when I'm explaining the spiritual realm. You know, right now there's things in this room. Because some people go, really? A spiritual battle? Come on, you know. But there's things in this room that we can't see right now. Now you're going, okay, she's really strange. Do you know that there's pictures floating around? Can you see them? There's even words floating around. And you're going, oh, no, she lost it. But think about it. If you get out your cell phone, right? You could look at a picture that somebody just texted you. How does that happen? That picture somehow is floating through this room to get to your cell phone. And even though we can't see it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist, does it? And what about words? We could, in the olden days, we could turn on a radio and we could tune it in and we would hear the music. We can still do that on our cars, right? We can pick that up. Because there are words floating around. So just because we can't see it does not mean it doesn't exist. And so just because we can't see the enemy, and just because we can't see these four demonic groups of, of, of um, these principalities and powers, does not mean they don't exist. They do exist. Do you know that God's word teaches that when Satan got kicked out of heaven, he took a third of the angels with him. Now, God's word, I'm not even going off all my notes, so this is going to be a fun study. It's all from the Lord, okay, you guys? When I don't go off my notes, I know it's from the Lord. Okay, so he took a third of the angels with him. When he took a third of the angels with him, we don't know how many angels there are. The Bible doesn't say that. But Satan took one-third, and that means we have two-thirds on our side. Isn't that cool? Okay, now when they were kicked out of heaven... The Bible teaches they were not sent to hell yet. A lot of people think they're in hell. Nope, it says they were kicked down to earth. 
down to earth. Where do we live? We live on earth. So they're here. And that's what people call fallen angels. They call demons. They call demonic beings. It's this one-third of the fallen angels that went with the enemy. Well, when you look at these four demonic entity groups that, that Paul lists here, principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness, of the, all of this, what's amazing about it is, They all, each, you go back to the original language, each one of these words have military significance in the meaning of the word. Now, Satan is a created being. He can only be in one place at one time. So I say he's not messing with me, okay? I'm not a big enough fish for him to be messing with, okay? He's not messing with me, and he's probably not messing with you. But who is? It's from these four demonic group entities. So it's like Satan is the general over this army and they have commanders and colonels and privates and all of these different people. Now think about it. God's word says that he gives his angels charge over you. Isn't that cool? And so if God gives his angel charge over you, it means that he has actually assigned an angel to you. And I've heard people say that our guardian angel might even look like us. And the reason why I've heard pastor teach that is, and I'm not going off of my any notes, so I can't give you the scripture reference. I can look it up later for you. But you know the story where um, they were praying for Peter to be released from prison. Okay, and they were up in the upper room and there was a servant girl named Rhoda and he got out of prison and he came and knocked on the door and Rhoda came and answered and she opens it up and she's like, "Ah, it's Peter and she slams the door and she goes running back up and Peter's at the door, you know, and and then the disciples. Now, it's so funny because here they're praying for Peter's release, right? And when she comes up, Peter's at the door. They're like, no. It can't be him. (laughs) So see, even when you sometimes lack faith, oh no, God can't do that, even though that's what you're praying for. It's okay. You're in company, okay? Because that's just how the disciples were. They're praying for Peter's release. Peter gets released. She goes running up. Peter's at the door. Oh no, it's not him. And what did they say? They said it's his ghost. And so it's interesting because I've heard pastors then teach that they believe our guardian angel might even look at us. Now, look like us, not look at us. They look at us too, I guess. (laughs) So isn't that interesting? But think of it this way. We cannot see the spiritual realm, but that does not mean it doesn't exist, just like what we were talking about. But they can see the spiritual realm. So if the Lord has assigned an angel to watch over you, And the enemy can see that. Don't you think he's going to assign his little fallen demon to sort of watch over you too? Ephesians 4.26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do you remember that? And I believe that when we don't give that hurt and pain to God in the manner he intended, we are giving the enemy a foothold. And one of the ways that we give that foothold to him is because even though the enemy cannot read your mind, there is nowhere in scripture that I have ever seen that the enemy can read your mind. He can read your body language. He can listen to the words you speak. He does know when you say, oh, this scares me so bad. He knows that. 
And in Ephesians, we just read that he shoots his fiery darts. And so that fallen angel that's been assigned to you, he knows what fiery darts to shoot at you. And he knows what is still hurting you, what you haven't let go of. And he shoots that fiery dart to bring back all those thoughts. But you see, God has equipped us how to fight this spiritual battle. And that's what Ephesians chapter 6 is about. That our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Which means a lot of times, maybe you have a really hard person around you. We had a really, really toxic person. I told you about that, that we had to deal with for a long time. We still sort of deal with him. And um, the enemy would just use him to shoot those fiery darts, you know. But the Lord just taught me that I needed to have my armor on. I needed to be equipped for battle. And the first one is having our belt, right? Having our, let's see, where is it? Sorry, since I'm not going off my notes. Having our waist girded, gird your waist with truth. And what does that mean? It means that we need to be in the word every single day, studying God's word. And as we study God's word, it starts to encircle our whole life, doesn't it? That's having your belt of truth on. Now, it was interesting when I was writing this book, I was living over in Bulgaria. Bulgaria is in Eastern Europe. It's north of Greece and Turkey. It's south of Romania. Um, Right down the street from our office was the Roman road. You could walk on the actual old Roman road, you know, that was built in Paul's day. And so when I was living in Bulgaria and I was Writing this book, I'm like, this is so cool. There's got to be some first century armor here in Bulgaria, right? I mean, we are really close. It's like four hours drive to Philippi where Paul first stepped on European soil and then was in Philippi there. It's just amazing. So I'm like, there's got to be some first century armor. So I went to the museum. And what was so interesting was just like what I researched, and I'll share with you in a moment, was exactly like the armor that they had from the first century. It's so cool. But we had this guy. We used to have people come stay with us all the time. People we didn't even know. I don't even know how they found us. I don't know how they heard about us. And people would just come stay. In fact, we've been praying for 11 years to have a tiny little, like a tiny retreat center where people could stay with us, but they're not in my living room, you know, would be really nice. (laughs) Because we used to joke our apartment, which was about 500 square feet for a family of four, that it was a revolving door like a hotel. I couldn't even dry the sheets fast enough for the next person to stay so one time and we would get people that were from all different denominations and all types of teaching and so we had this guy from England staying just the night for us with us because he needed to take an early flight out the next morning and he had been working on the other side of Bulgaria so the person who who uh, was hosting him said can he come spend the night with you and you take him to the airport in the morning so I can get back to my church and we're like sure no problem so we're sharing and I'm telling him about this book the Lord has me writing right then and he's like really he's like that's so cool I'm reading a book right now about the spiritual armor you should go and buy it now back then it wasn't when you could just go on Kindle and buy any book you know and so there weren't very many books in Bulgaria in English and it was one of the things I sort of coveted besides the Mexican food was the the books you know and he's like you should buy this book and he must have seen my face like oh A book in English, you know, and he goes, oh, I'm going to England tomorrow. I'll leave you my book and and I'll buy a new one tomorrow. And I'm like, oh, thank you so much, you know. So I start reading it and it's about the armor. And it says that every morning, because we're in the spiritual battle, 
We need to wake up. And when we wake up, we need to imagine putting the belt of truth on. And we need to imagine putting the breastplate of righteousness on. And we need to imagine. And I thought, what a bunch of hogwash. Because if you think about it, be careful what you read, ladies, even if it says it's Christian, okay? We need to be discerning. Because if you think about it, if you sleep in your birthday suit, And you got up in the morning and you imagined putting on your top or you imagined putting on your pants and you walked outside, you would be arrested for indecent exposure, wouldn't you? You would, you know. And so we're not to imagine getting dressed in the morning. And I do not believe that God ever intended for us to imagine being equipped with this armor that he's given us. I think that there's an actual practical way that you can take God's word and apply it to your life. So, for example, with the belt of truth, you do that as you read God's word. It represents the word of God. And as you read his word daily, even if it's just for a few verses, you're putting that belt of truth on. And before you know it, something will happen that day and you're going to have that verse come back to your memory and it's going to help you make a decision that day. That's having that belt of truth fully encircled your life. Does that make sense? So it's not imagining it. There's a practical way to do it. Well, my favorite is the breastplate of righteousness. I just love it because in my research, what I discovered was the breastplate was not one big piece of metal on one side and another on the back like you see in movies. During Paul's day, the breastplate was made up of 700 to 1,000 little pieces of metal and they were shaped like a little shield, right? And in my research, it says it was very expensive to produce this breastplate of righteousness because, sorry, just the breastplate, because it would be hand sewn onto either a leather vest or a very heavy cloth vest, 700 to 1,000 of these little things. And it sort of was like fish scale and it would move with the soldier. So I'm like, that's so cool. And so when I went to the museum in Bulgaria, they had a life-size statue of a Roman soldier from first century, and that was exactly how his breastplate was made. And I'm like, that is so cool. And when I saw the helmet, the helmet was different than anything I imagined. It actually even came down and covered the nose. And on the back, it was all in bras. That must have been like somebody high up. It was in bras with like grapes and everything it was beautiful and it was just so interesting to see all of the different armor and the belt isn't like a belt like today it was more it it almost covered all the way down to the knees it would have these strips of of leather and metal that would cover the lower torso of their body it was just amazing and so it was so cool well when I was doing my research back then um, I was writing all my research on little like three by five cards and so any cool quote I found, I would write it on the card. Any verse, I would write on the card. And then when I would get ready to go write a chapter, I would take all my research for that chapter and I would sort of put it in the order that I was writing the chapter. What was so cool, because when I got to the chapter on the breastplate of righteousness, and I got to the quote where it was saying how expensive it was to produce the breastplate for the Roman soldier, Right then, the Lord spoke to me, and he said, just like our breastplate, 
our breastplate of righteousness was very expensive to produce because each one of those little metal shields was inscribed with nailed, scarred hands, an I am statement of who you are in Christ. You are loved by God. You are forgiven. You are more than a conqueror. And it's amazing. And in my years of researching this topic, do you know that I believe that there are over 700 to 1,000 I am statements of who you are in Christ if you took the time to study God's word? Do you know just in Ephesians chapter 1 how many I am statements are there? It's amazing. And especially when you add I am able to do all things because of who I am in Christ. But you see, ladies, what happens is we have a choice. God created us with a free will. We can choose to live the life that God called us to to live. We can put on that new self, right? Or we have a choice to just keep the old self. And we even have a choice to put on our breastplate or to leave our breastplate lying around. And how we do that in an actual practical way is when we make decisions based upon the truth of who we are in Christ, not our feelings, not our emotions, but when we make a choice based on who we are in Christ, we have our breastplate on. Isn't that cool? And that's how you move the truth of who you are in Christ from your head to your heart. It doesn't matter how you feel. Feelings are fickle. They change all the time. I mean, you can think about it. As women, we can feel all kinds of things. And one moment we feel this way, and the next moment we feel that way, can't we? And we can change our feelings all day long. It's just crazy. But feelings change all the time. Yet, I see that women are constantly making decisions based upon their feelings. They're constantly making their decisions based upon feelings and emotions. And when they do that, they're usually wrong. Instead, God wants us to base our decisions upon the truth of his word and upon the truth of who we are in Christ. And as we take the time to learn who we are in Christ and then take the time to make decisions based upon who we are, then we have our breastplate of righteousness on. We are clothed in righteousness, and we're able to walk that walk in victory no matter what's going on because we're making decisions based upon truth. And truth doesn't change. The world tries to say truth changes, doesn't it? The world tries to make everything gray, but it's not. It's black and white to God. It's either true or false. It's either you are either making a wise choice or you are making a foolish choice. When I work with teens all the time, I'm always asking them, is that a wise choice or a foolish choice? Sometimes they're like, oh, Sheree. You know, I go, well, just answer the question. Is it wise or foolish? Because foolish choices have bad consequences. Wise choices have good consequences. Even though life might not be great, even though you might be going through trials, Wise choices have good consequences and you will be able to walk through whatever you're going through with peace. It's amazing. But foolish choices have all kinds of things connected with them. Sometimes foolish consequences can even affect us the rest of our lives, can't they? 
And so we need to start making decisions based upon truth. And it's important for us to learn and understand who we are in Christ. And so I want to share with you a few things about who we are in Christ. And here are just a few. Remember I told you there's like 700 to 1,000 I am statements and that the Lord, um, you know, inscribed these with nailed, uh, scarred hands. Here they are. Just think of them. I am taught in him. Do you know that? Ephesians 4, 21. These are just from the passages from today. You're taught in him. I am to put off my old self. Ephesians 4, 22. I am made new in the attitude of my mind. Ephesians 4, 23. I am to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 24. I am to put off falsehood. 25. I am to speak truthfully, verse 25. I am a member of one body, verse 25 again. I am not to sin in my anger, verse 26. I am called to work to share with those in need, verse 28. I am sealed in the Holy Spirit, verse 30. I am to be kind and compassionate, verse 32. I am forgiven, verse 32 again. I am an imitator of God, Ephesians 5.1. I am a dearly loved child. Of God, Ephesians 5.1. And I am to live a life of love, Ephesians 5.2. That's just in some of the passages I read to you this morning of who you are in Christ. But it's time for us to start moving this truth from our head to our heart. Does that make sense? I remember when I first came back to the Lord, you know, it was so cool to hear his word and to realize that his word has answers for every issue we have in life. Do you know everything that women struggle with that I talked to you about in the earlier sessions, depression, anxiety, drugs, alcohol, um, eating disorders, cutting, all of it is found in the Bible, even cutting. Do you know that? It's found in the Bible. Is that amazing? And if it's found in the Bible, guess what? The answer of how to handle it and how to overcome it is found in there, too. And so we need to be looking here and we need to be making choices to apply his word to our life. And as we take the time to learn who we are in Christ, we're moving the truth of who we are in Christ from our head to our heart. Does that make sense to you? And it's important to learn how to apply the word to our life. So I'll give you an example. One day we were walking down uh, the street in Sofia, Bulgaria. Sofia is the capital, and it's really crowded. And if you were with me, we'd be walking single file. You wouldn't be able to walk next to me because the streets are just so crowded. So we had a team of ladies there because we were getting ready to do our women's retreat. And so we're all walking single file. And right in front of me was my daughter when she was a teenager. And so she's walking, I'm walking, and all these people are behind me. And we're just walking along. And this guy comes up to her, and he sticks his arm out all gentlemanlike. And he goes, ooh, baby, walk away with me. And in English, and I was like a mama bear, okay? I was like ready to get in that guy's face. I'm like in my mind going through Bulgarian, how I'm going to tell him off. Do you know who you are talking to? You are talking to the daughter of the king of kings. Could you imagine if I said that to him? He'd be going, is there a king visiting Bulgaria right now? And who is this foreigner? <laughs> you know, but I'm just like, I was ready to fight him, you know. But it was so cool because I didn't have to do a thing. My daughter didn't even miss a step. She pulls her arm away from him and she just keeps walking. 
Well, that's really cool because for teen girls, man, our desire as teenagers and young adults and women as a whole, right, don't we just desire to be loved and accepted? We do. And as teens, man, they just want to be loved by somebody and be accepted by somebody. And so a lot of times a smooth talker can turn a young girl's head, can't he? And they just like, oh, he likes me. No, he wants to use you. There's a difference, you know. But the teen just says, oh, he thinks I'm pretty, right? And we change as women all these things in our head. Well, she didn't even turn her head. She just pulls her arm away and keeps on walking. And I'm like, yes. And why did she do that? You see, she knew who she was in Christ. She knew at that point in her life, and she still does, praise the Lord, that she is the daughter of the King of Kings. That she is. My hair is getting this. If I move it up here, will it mess it up? There's no feedback. That she is the daughter of the king of kings. That she is engaged to the bridegroom. She is the bride of Christ. She understood who she was in Christ. So she wasn't going to let some smooth talker trip her up. Right? And so she was making a decision. Even though it was a split second decision, she was making a decision based on who she was. And that's what it means about having your breastplate of righteousness on. A lot of times we make our decisions based on feelings. Maybe as you were growing up, you were told all the time that you were a mistake, that you would never amount to anything, that you could never do anything right. And so sometimes we just think like that. And maybe as a single woman, you can think back, or maybe for the single ones here, maybe there was that loser that came up and said, hey, you want to go out on Friday night? And you begin first, you say, no, you're thinking. And then you think, well... You know, I can't do anything right. Maybe he's the only guy I can ever get. And, you know, so you decide to go out with him. Do you know you made a decision based upon your feelings and your emotions? You did not make that decision based upon the truth of who you are in Christ. And because of that, there's going to be consequences, possibly even long-term consequences. But if that same situation happened the next week and this loser asked you out again and you start to think, oh, maybe I should go out with him. But then you go, wait a minute. I'm the daughter of the king of kings. Do you know at that moment, and you say no, at that moment you made a decision based upon the truth of who you are in Christ. And that is having your breastplate of righteousness on. You can do this in any situation in your life because God says that you are of worth. You are not a mistake. You're not. It doesn't matter what anybody has ever told you. The truth is God says you are not a mistake. God's word says that you are more precious than a sparrow. And do you know that you are so precious to him that he has inscribed you upon the palms of his hand? And do you know what else? This one really makes my head go, whoa. He knows how many pieces of hair are on your head. Can you believe that? Now, I love my grandkids. I have three, soon to be four, little grandsons. And I just love them to pieces. But I have no idea how many pieces of hair are on their head. I don't, you know. But that's how much God loves you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows that when you brushed your hair, oh, some more came out. You know, I mean, he knows. That's how much he loves you. 
And so it's time to make decisions based upon that. You know, one of my staff members in Bulgaria, her mom had always belittled her growing up. And so there were times when I would ask her to do something and she'd like, oh, Sri, you know me, I can't do that. And I'd just look at her, who are you? Uh, excuse me, who are you? And she's like, okay, I'm the daughter of the king of kings. I can do this, can I? I'm like, that's right. You can do it. And so we need to change our thinking, and we need to keep our focus on the truth and make decisions based upon that truth. You are called by God. Do you know that? Every single one of you in this room are called by God. And I remember when he first called me to this ministry, I thought, are you crazy? I can't do this ministry. One, I never uh, finished college, okay? I do not have any degrees in counseling. How could I possibly be a biblical counselor if I never went to get a psychology degree or anything like that? And I had all of the arguments with the Lord. But you know what life verses he gave me? They're from Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I'm set apart. Do you know that? You're set apart. Each one of you are set apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. I couldn't believe this. When the Lord gave me these verses, I had actually been arguing with him. Lord, I can't do this ministry. There is no way. I just can't do it. You have to. I just need a verse. Now, usually I don't do that. I don't just say I'm going to open the Bible and see where it falls. But that day I did. And I opened the Bible and I'm like, Lord, I just really can't believe you would want me to do this ministry. And then here was this verse that says, Jeremiah was saying, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. It was exactly what I had just said to the Lord. And I'm like, see, Lord, I can't. And then I looked down, but the Lord said to me, (laughs) do not say I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. And that's my life's ministry to uproot and destroy the lies that you guys have been holding on to within your heart that God never intended for you to hold on to, to destroy all those that hurt, that pain, that anger that he wants you to give to him and then to build and to plant with the truth of his word and him and who he is in your life. And as you take hold and you let that truth take hold the roots in your life, everything will change. You will be able to walk through life no matter what's going on. It doesn't mean that life's going to get interesting, or it is going to get interesting. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Life will get interesting, and there might be some really hard difficult situations and circumstances, but he will be there with you, walking you through, and it will blow you away the peace that you will have and the joy that you can have in the midst of the most terrible situation. And God has called you, too, 
God has set you apart. Maybe not the same type of ministry as me or some of the other people that are in this room, but each one of you is uniquely made, uniquely made. You've heard how each one of our fingerprints are unique. Each one of our DNA is unique. Everything about us is unique. Well, so is the call on your life. Your call is not going to be exactly like mine or exactly like Connie's or exactly like somebody else's. Your call is for you uniquely. And that's why God's given you life. And so I want to encourage you. Do you know that God's word says that you are his work of art? In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do a good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Each one of us is his work of art. Now, he's the master craftsman. He's better than any of the greatest artists that have ever lived. Yet you are his work of art. I like to say I'm a work in progress still. (laughs) I might not be completely finished, but you are his work of art. And you were created in Christ Jesus to do a good work. Have you thought about that? Are you busy doing the work he's called you to do? Now, for some, like for me, it's to be a missionary. But it doesn't mean that every single person in this room is a missionary. For some of us, it's being mom, being the best mom. I remember when we were living overseas, we lived in, um, we've been working in Bulgaria since 1993, but we lived over there also during that time for three and a half years. And when God called me back, I'm like, Lord, why are you calling me back? The need to me in Bulgaria was just so great because in America, we have a lot of resources within the Christian world. We have a lot of Christian teachers. We have a lot of biblical counselors. We have a lot of that. But in Bulgaria, for the women, they don't have that. They don't have somebody doing biblical counseling like we're doing. Um, We're the only ones that we know of that does an annual women's retreat, you know. And so my heart was just to stay there. But the Lord was calling me back. And I'm like, Lord, but but I, 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 and I don't take this wrong, but I'm like, Lord, I I just don't want to come back and just hear women in America just complaining that they don't have their new house or they don't have these new material things. You know what I mean? If you've ever lived in a, in a poorer country, you would understand what I mean. It's just really hard to go from people are praying for food and that you see people who have to make a decision between electricity and what they're going to eat that day. And so the little lady that lives across the street from you, you see every night she has candles because she can't afford electricity. And that's hard to then come leave that and come back and be counseling a woman saying, you know, my husband just won't buy me that bigger house. And you're like, come on. (laughs) So that was my heart at that time. I'm like, Lord. I don't want to just come back and be counseling that. I want to be, you know, making a difference. I want my, my life to count. And so I was um, unpacking my house, and there was this picture, and I was like, Lord, who do you want me to disciple here? You know, I know you brought me back to the States for a reason. Who do you want me to disciple? And right then I unpacked a picture of my daughter. And it's like, this is who you're discipling right now, your daughter. And no work that God has ever called you to is so small. Not one bit of work is small. Every work that God calls you to, even though you might feel it's small, is huge to the Lord. And especially when it counts for our kids, right? 
And so God may be using you just to minister to your kids or to minister to your grandkids or to serve at church or to just find a place that the Lord wants you to serve. And we'll talk more about that tonight or yeah, later today. Not quite tonight. I'm used to doing a retreat like Friday night, Saturday, <laughs> Sunday morning. This is Sunday morning. Tonight, later on is Sunday's message. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> And I'm hardly going off my notes. But you are God's workmanship. You are also set free. Is there something that you feel like you're in bondage to? Do you know that God's word says that you're set free? It's past tense. You are already set free. So if you're already set free, why are you letting it trip you up? In fact, God's word says that you are more than a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. You're not just a conqueror of this. You are more than a conqueror. And God's word says that you're victorious. Maybe you've been struggling with some kind of addiction. Maybe you've been struggling with something that you know has a hold on you. God's word says that you're set free, that you're more than a conqueror, and that you are victorious. And if you think, yeah, 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 I know all that. Yet you're still reaching for that bottle, and that's the only thing you have your mind on. Do you realize you don't have the breastplate of righteousness on? That you chose to set that breastplate of righteousness aside. And when you chose to set it aside, you're not protected in the way. And the enemy is able to shoot those fiery darts at you because there is a spiritual battle taking place. But... If instead, as you're reaching for that bottle or whatever it is, and you think, no, I am more than a conqueror, and you take that bottle and you pour it down the sink, do you realize that you just put the breastplate of righteousness on? You just put the breastplate of righteousness on, and you now have the power in Christ to be victorious. And I've learned in my many years of counseling That although God could turn on that miraculous faucet of, Lord, give me the power, and he could turn it on, right? He usually doesn't. (laughs) Don't you wonder about that, you know? People come to me all the time. They're like, okay, Cherie, could you just pray for me in this issue? Like, Like I have some magic potion. Doesn't work that way. It's the Holy Spirit. And so we can, I'll pray for you, of course, and I'll ask the Lord to empower you. But you know what I've learned? That God loves you so much that he gives you a free will and he wants you to take the first step. And as you choose, as a love gift back to him, to take that first step, that's when he meets you there. Have you ever noticed it? He doesn't just have it happen. Sometimes he does, but usually he doesn't. Instead, he wants you to take the first step. There was a time I was struggling. I was so blue. There was something the Lord put on my heart. I really thought it was from him. It was a ministry part that um, we've been praying 11 years for. And actually, I think it's happening in January. But this was about four, four years into this prayer. And I was getting discouraged. Lord, was this call from you or was it from me? Am I confused? How come it's not happening? And I was just getting in this blue mode. And I did not want to get out of bed. Have you just had those days? And so... 
so I would like wake up and I'd be praying, Lord, please, I need your strength to get out of bed today because I just want to have a pity party. Have you ever wanted to have a pity party? Pity parties can be really fun sometimes, huh? Oh, woe is me. Things are just terrible. Life's not turning out the way I want it, you know. And so... I would be stuck there in bed, so I'd be praying, Lord, please, please, could you just fill me with your strength? I know you can. Turn on that big faucet and just help me get out of bed. And nothing would happen. And what I found was, as I was praying, Lord, I know you have the power to give me the strength to get out of bed and to change my whole outlook on this day. But you want me to roll over and stick my feet on the ground, don't you? And so that's what I would do. I would roll over even though I didn't want to. I would fight the flesh. I would quit turning off the snooze button. I would stick my feet on the ground. And I would head towards the shower to wake me up. And guess what I found? That somewhere between hitting the feet on the floor to the shower, I was fine. That God had met me there and that he had equipped me. And that's what he wants to do in your life. No matter what you're struggling with, just take God's word, apply it to your life, start taking those steps of action, and God will meet you there. Do you know also that you are an imitator of God and that you're called to be kind and compassionate? Now, maybe there's someone in your family who's really difficult to be around. Maybe there's that toxic person. But even though that person is toxic, it doesn't mean you need to be toxic back. Do you know that you still, and it doesn't mean that you just let somebody just beat you up, okay? This toxic person that was in our life, I would just, in love, God's word says, to speak the truth in love. I would just share with that person, do you know that you are being verbally abusive to me right now? And if you continue to be verbally abusive, this conversation is over. It's okay to speak the truth in love. God just calls you to do it with kindness and with compassion. And so God wants us to treat that other person how we would want to be treated. Now, I knew that if I didn't keep giving the hurt and pain that this guy was creating every day to the Lord, I would become like that guy, right? And I'd be toxic. So every day I had to do what I taught you in the previous session and give it over to the Lord. But I would then speak the truth in love. And I was not going to let that person continue to be verbally abusive to me. I am the daughter of the king of kings. And so are you. And if we are the daughter of the king of kings, really, if you think about it, if you were an earthly king's daughter, would anybody be able to speak to you verbally? There is no way, is there? Well, we're the daughter of the king of kings. So do you think that God the Father, the King of Kings, and the Prince of Peace, his son, would want people to speak abusively to us? No way. And that's why God's word teaches us to speak the truth in love. And so we would just tell, I would tell that person, you're speaking abusive to me right now. And you know what's so amazing? He's like, he's like, he was like, stop. He's like, how am I being abusive to you right now? Because he would think if he's not physically hitting you, it's not abuse. That's what he thinks, okay? But hitting is physical abuse. (laughs) But there's verbal abuse, too. And it can be even, although physical abuse is terrible, don't get me wrong. If you've ever been in that type of situation, it's terrible. But if you've been in a physical abusive relationship, you've probably been in a verbally abusive relationship as well. And verbal abuse can even hurt sometimes more than the physical abuse can. And... um, 
And so he would stop and he'd say, how am I being verbally abusive to you right now? Because you are belittling me. I am. He didn't even know what he was doing. Yes, you're belittling me right now and I won't accept that. Or you're twisting the truth of the facts. You're you're twisting truth to make it into what you want it to be. And I won't allow that. And so I would just, in love, continue to point this out. And so God calls us to be an imitator of God. Now, if you think about it, God loves the sinner, doesn't he? And he loves us, even when we were still sinners, right? He died for us. But he also hates our sin, doesn't he? And doesn't he hold us accountable for our sin? He does. So if we are called to be imitators of God, It is okay for us. God calls us to love our neighbor as ourself. And so we are to love those people who are unlovable. But we can also hate their sin. Do you know in Proverbs 6, it says that there's six things God hates, seven that are detestable to him. If God hates these types of things, it's okay for us to hate it too. And so that's one thing. As we sit here and we read God's word daily and we equip ourselves with the belt of truth and the sword of the spirit. And as we have our breastplate of righteousness on, we can start walking in the midst of the battle. Now, although I might have had a struggle with a person who was flesh and blood, God's word says that our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, is it? So my struggle isn't necessarily against that toxic person. But our struggle is against principalities and powers. And guess what? The enemy had a stronghold in this person's life. Because what he's reacting out of really is all his hurt and pain that he's never given to the Lord. I'm not going to make an excuse for his wrong behavior though. But that's what he's reacting out of. And my heart, because I have the gift of mercy, could go, oh, he's just reacting out of being hurt. But... God also calls us to speak the truth in love so that people can change their ways. And so even though we still have a difficult situation with this person and we've put boundaries around this person, he's not allowed in our house because we've asked him to apologize for one thing that he is unrepentant for. But if he would apologize for that, we would allow him in our house at this point. But he's not. He's unrepentant totally. He'll tell you he claims to be a Christian. I could show you by the word that he's a wolf. And he claims whenever you point out what the one thing we're asking him to repent of, not everything, one thing, he says he's blameless like Job. (laughs) Yeah, so how can you deal with that when somebody's blameless like Job? But it's okay to put boundaries around people, yet still love them. Does that make sense? But it takes going to your knees. It takes asking the Lord for wisdom. It takes living based upon God's word. And then we can become that imitator of God and we can be kind and compassionate. And in closing, let's see how we're doing since I'm not really going off my notes. And so some people you do have to set boundaries around and um, because some people can be controlling and manipulating and we ladies can even be controlling and manipulating, can't we? And so I want to encourage you that if that has been a situation in your life to do that Bible study that I share that we're going to put out on the table, because a lot of times you want to know what the root is for control and manipulating for ourselves. 
A lot of times maybe we've been so hurt in life that we never want to be hurt that deeply again or we never want our family to be hurt that deeply again. And so because of it, we start to control and manipulate. But you know what can happen if we're controlling and manipulating, especially if we have teenage kids? We can actually push them into the actual thing we're trying to protect them from. And so if that's been an issue in your life, also I just encourage you to do that Bible study. Um, so does any of this stuff say, make sense of what I've been sharing with you today? And do you understand how to put that breastplate of righteousness on? That it's when you make decisions based upon the truth of God's word and not on your feelings and your emotions, no matter what's going on. And so I just want to close up with this. Listen to the truth of who you are in Christ. This is a paragraph out of the Go in Peace curriculum. You are loved by God, created in Christ Jesus, complete in him. You are not a mistake, for you are his workmanship, created in his image. You are his beloved, saved, and therefore a citizen of the kingdom of God. For you are his child, chosen by him. In fact, you are a chosen generation. In view of this truth, you are blessed by him. You are of worth. You are his bride and forever protected by him. You are forgiven, set free, victorious, and more than a conqueror. You are reconciled to God and are a partaker of his divine nature. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because of this, you are able to stand firm, for you are strong in the Lord. In fact, you are strong till the end. You are near to Jesus, and you are able to sleep without fear, for you are promised rest. You are at peace with God, you have been justified, and you are considered the righteousness of God. You are a new creation in Christ, and you are free from condemnation. You are redeemed. In fact, you are redeemed from the curse of the law and redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You are washed clean from your sins, for you are God's, and therefore know that you are the apple of his eye. You are dead to sin, for you have been crucified with Christ and are sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. You have been called by God. You are his ambassador, and you must never forget that you are always in his thoughts. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just come before you, and we again thank you and praise you for this day and your word, Lord. And, Lord, I just lift up each person in this room. You know the issues. You know the things that are going on. You know the things that they might have been struggling with or anywhere that they might be slipping up. And, Lord, you just want to have them apply truth to their life. And you want them to move the truth of who they are in Christ from their head to their heart. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be with each woman and that she would just, even though she might go, I don't know if it's as easy as she makes it sound. Lord, if she would just try making her decisions based upon the truth of who she is in Christ. Lord, I pray that at that moment you would just show her that, yes, it is true. We truly can walk in the walk that you have for us and become all that you created us to be. We thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.